that promise. I must. I lie down on my bed, gazing up unseeing at the wooden tester. I try to pray, but the old familiar words will not come. I realize that I'm exhausted and drained of energy, my emotions shattered like shards of ice. All I want is to sleep, and thus obliterate this horror for a time. But sleep eludes me. No matter how desperately I caught it. Instead, for the thousandth time, I go over in my head how I came to be in this place. And in my tormented reverie, I hear voices clamoring to be heard, all speaking at once. I know them all. They have all played a part in shaping my destiny. Francis Brandon, Marchioness of Dorset. Bradgate Hall, Leicestershire, October 1537. My travail begins as I am enjoying a walk in the garden. There is a sudden flood of liquid from my womb, and then, as my maid runs for cloths and assistance, a dull pain that shifts from the small of my back to the pit of my stomach. Soon they are all clustering around me, the midwives and the women, helping me through the great doorway of the manor-house and up the oaken stairs, stripping me of my fine clothing and replacing it with a voluminous birthing smock of bleached linen, finely embroidered at the neck and wrists. Now I am made to lie upon my bed, and they are pressing a goblet of sweet wine to my lips. I don't really want it, but I take a few sips to please them. My two chief ladies sit beside me, my gossips, whose job it is to while away the tedious hours of labour with distracting chatter. Their task is to keep me cheerful and to offer encouragement when the pains grow stronger. And they do grow stronger. Less than an hour passes before the dull ache that accompanies each pang becomes a knife-like thrust, vicious and relentless. Yet I can bear it. I have the blood of kings in my veins, and that emboldens me to lie mute, "'resisting the mounting screams. "'Soon, God willing, I will hold my son in my arms. "'My son, who must not die early like the others, "'those tiny infants who lie beneath the flagstones of the parish church. "'Neither live long enough even to sit or crawl. "'I do not account myself a sentimental person. "'Indeed, I know that many think me too strong and hard-willed for a woman.' A virago, my husband once said, during one of our many quarrels. But hidden within my heart, there is a raw place reserved for those two lost babies. Yet it is natural that this third pregnancy has often led me to revisit this secret place, to disturb and probe it gently, testing to see if past tragedies still have the power to hurt. I know I should forbid myself such weakness. I am King Henry's niece. My mother was a princess of England and Queen of France. I must face the pain of my loss as I do my labour, with royal dignity, refusing to indulge any further in morbid fancies, which, I am assured by the midwives, could well be harmful to the child I carry. One must try to be positive, and I am nothing if not an optimist. This time... I feel it in my bones. God will give us the sun and air we so desperately desire. 
Another hour passes. There is little respite between each contraction, but the pain is still bearable. Cry out if you need to, my lady, says the midwife comfortingly, as the women fuss round me with candles and basins of water. I wish they would all go away and leave me in peace. I wish they would let some fresh air into this fetid, stuffy chamber. Even though it is day, the room is dark, for the windows have been covered with tapestries and painted cloths. We must not risk the babe catching any chills from draughts, my lady, the midwife warned me when she ordered this to be done. Then she personally inspected the tapestries to ensure that there was nothing depicted in them that could frighten the child. Make up the fire, she instructs her acolytes, as I lie here grappling with my pains. I groan. It's hot enough in here already, and I am sweating like a pig. But of course...